I remember when I launched into missions as a teenager to Mexico, and I heard that 50% had never heard the gospel. And it really shook me. I've, I've never been the same since that statistic hit me. And we've been attempting in Operation Mobilization to reach as many as possible. God gave us the privilege. We stopped counting about 10 years ago. But uh, around 10 years ago, face-to-face, not excluding uh, uh, excluding our television and radio ministries, we had presented the gospel to one billion people. It all goes back to one lady who prayed for me. There's actually a book about it on our book table, and we, we hope you'll visit our book table. I got so swept away with the worship in the first service, which was equally good this service, that I never even mentioned my books, which is almost unheard of. Because we bought, uh, we brought actually a free book for everyone. And the first book on the table, uh, at the end of the table, there's two tables there. We want you just to take that. And especially this book about HIV AIDS. Because all weekend we've been speaking about this, especially last night. And we're taking an offering to get more Christian literature connected with AIDS prevention in many, many languages across the world. Many language groups have nothing whatsoever about HIV AIDS. And education is one of the keys for the prevention of HIV AIDS. And we really would love you to be involved in that offering and pick up this book, uh, which is about that free of charge if we run out. You can easily find me in cyberspace, georgeverwer.com. And do go beyond uh, some of the blogs some people now are just judging me by my blogs, which are geared really more to younger people. And I've got a considerable problem when I allowed on YouTube uh, my new exercise program in the disabled toilet in a jumbo jet, which is sort of rock and roll music. And I've been somebody just sent me an email warning me about rock and roll uh, music. But uh, maybe you could get beyond the blogs and read some of the text and there's enough in my website to keep you busy all day isn't it amazing one of the most exciting things in my life is my laptop just take it pretty well everywhere don't have it here this morning it's resting but instant communication and almost every time I preach I have instant communication from people in the congregation and a lot of people get email burnout they just too many emails But I'm not in that camp yet. Maybe that'll come. I just love email and I try to pray for everybody that sends me an email. And I wasn't getting enough, so I got into Facebook. And now I have 3,000, 3,000 Facebook friends, 46 new ones yesterday. And, uh, it's a bit overwhelming, but I pray. I pray at least once. Some of them never seem to come back because in Facebook, you know, you see my face and, you know, once is enough. So many of them never seem to come back again. I believe we live in one of the most exciting periods of history. I am so glad I'm still alive. I was almost killed a few years ago. I have what's called a stupidity factor in my life. And I was walking on a railway track in Colombo. I got on my mobile phone. I have two mobile phones, three actually, but I only talk one at a time. And I was one... (laughs) got really excited about what my secretary in London was saying, and I didn't realize a train was headed straight for me, and I'm not exaggerating. I never heard it. 
But somehow, I think to concentrate on the phone call, I just stepped off the line, and within 13 seconds, a fast train went by. I found out the next day that it's pretty regular that people are killed on that railway line in Colombo. So God spared me, and here, me, here I am, and this has been one of the greatest years of my life. Celebrating our 70th birthday. Boy, this is where it's at. We're so glad to finally arrive here. Uh, the 60s were overwhelming. The greatest decade in our life. And now we've got this 10 more years. But it was also the year after praying for pretty well 53 years that I would get some time with my spiritual father, Billy Graham. And that finally happened in his home in Montreal. Billy will be 90 November 7th. He no longer preaches. He's not well. And I had this precious time. You can see that also on my website. Fellowshipping with this man was the greatest single influence in my life. Perhaps the second greatest influence was a guy named Oswald J. Smith. Are any of you old enough to remember him? Oswald J. Smith, raise your hand. You remember him? He was probably the greatest missions leader of the last century. And I had the privilege of knowing this man, reading his book, Passion for Souls, which gave me my vision for Afghanistan, which became one of our major fields, which led to the bigger vision for the whole Muslim world. And this morning, we have 800 people out there working among Muslims. They are the most neglected people in the world. A majority of Muslims are moderate Muslims. They are the greatest bulwark against Muslim extremism, which also exists. And we'd ask you to pray for our work in the Muslim world. And Katie, who I'm hoping to have lunch with, is going to be with our OM team in France among Muslims. What are some of these other books you could pick up? We'd like you, first of all, to pick up our introductory packet. And there's a free book inside of that. You may already have that book. You can give it away. We'd like you to pick up, we talked about this last night, the seven people by the side of the road. But we'd love to, you to pick up this book written by Randy Alcorn, Why Pro-Life. And I'm willing to send you up to 100 of these as a gift. If you will help us get this message out across America. And if you're more into listening, you could pick up my series on CD, uh, 29th chapter of Acts. I remember in a church once preaching on Acts and asking people to turn to the 29th chapter. It was interesting, as even the pastor was looking for it. But in fact, there was only 28 chapters in the book of Acts. You and I are chapter 29 to carry on this lifestyle, this vision. And I just find this so exciting. Next month, together with some leading theologians in Britain, Great Britain where I live, we're going to do a television series that will go out on television on the book of Acts. We need a lot of prayer uh, for that because when I get into this book, I tend to say outrageous things and, and get carried away. So that's available. All the books are there on a donation basis. Just take a minute to meet Austin, my helper. We've just been around the world together. We're now off to India. That's another highlight of this year. Forty years praying that I could back, get back to India. Again, because of my own stupidity and unwillingness to pay a bribe, I got blacklisted after living there a number of years and uh, have not been back for 40 years. And I just got this visa, major answer to prayer. I have at least 100,000 Indians that pray for me. Half a million of my books have gone out in India. We have 2,500 workers there. Many of our workers I've never met. 
And you can be sure George Verwell will be crying. I'm an emotional kind of person. I've been weeping already this morning. How can this music, this worship, this tremendous church, it's just overwhelming for my kind of person. I don't know. I, I love you more phlegmatic, cool, even, steady types. And I usually recruit you to do the work, and I try to stay out of the way. But I am so thrilled. In God's mercy, there was a place for me. Such a needy, emotional uh, person. In fact, when I go on a holiday, a vacation, I usually go to roller coasters. And that's the way I relax on a roller coaster. And my wife doesn't even like to look at a roller coaster. So we've never been on a roller coaster together. And I'm hoping in heaven we have those and we can sit together on a roller coaster but um, in Randy Alcorn's book about heaven, I've not found anything uh, about that. <laughs> God uses all kinds of people. You know, I'm the kind of person, the moment I open my mouth, especially in Britain where I live, someone doesn't like me. Just that temperament, New Jersey accent, loud, could not possibly be spiritual. Really, spiritual people especially find me difficult. And I got into super spirituality myself for a while. And it, it really can make you a little strange. And I want to say this. No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how filled you are with the Holy Spirit, you're still incredibly human. Accept your humanness. Accept yourself as you are. Of course, work for growth and grace and improvements in God's program. And it was understanding God's love and God's acceptance of me that got me through struggles with pornography, struggles with anger, struggles with extreme doubt, unable to even believe in the existence of God in my dark moments. And I just, more than anything else, my message this morning is a message of grace. Many of you have read my book, Out of the Comfort Zone. I think it's in this packet. And you discovered that, in fact, it's a book about grace. And it's an appeal for a grace-awakened approach to all the things that divide us. And I believe even during this election, every time I return here, I've lived overseas 48 years, never had a furlough, but every time I return here, I love this country more. The positive things in America still outweigh the negative things. Beware of just becoming too negative, especially during election time. By the way, being negative, pessimistic, is actually destructive also to your health. And I think I could have destroyed myself through my own negative streak. I, the fear I was going to become like the Darth Vader of the evangelical world. Wherever I went, I could see the problems. I'd visit the ship, I'd go up to the captain, and I'd share ten things I've seen wrong today on the ship. Not really the best way to encourage the guy. By the way, one of our ship captains is here. Pat, would you just stand up? If you've ever wanted to shake hands with a ship captain, there he is. When you shake his hand, be sure to ask him for a free book. He gives free books out everywhere. And he'll be going back again to be captain of the ship in Asia in, in a very short time. It's so amazing the people that God has raised up. Somebody said the best gift that George Verwer has, and I've been recruiting 53 years for God's work and other things as well, is the ability to find people better than myself. Let me tell you, I found it really, really easy. Hallelujah. So many great people. When I look at an audience like this, by the way, I get excited talking about one person. 
So, you know, what happens when I'm talking to hundreds? A lot of my work is just on the phone. I get excited talking to people on the phone. I'd love to talk to you on the phone. I'll give you my number after the meeting. And, of course, email and Facebook and Skype. Isn't Skype fantastic? Photographs of your grandchildren. Grandchildren. I've just come from seeing my 19-year-old granddaughter. She just grew up so fast. Do any of you have grandchildren? Aren't they wonderful? God said, or Tony Campalo said, grandchildren is God's prize to you for not killing your own kids. By the way, if any of you know of a scholarship fund, my granddaughter really needs some money to get through college. And I think she's made a mistake thinking that, you know, I have unlimited finance. But I did give her $20 for a haircut when I was with her. I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 13. As we were worshiping together, it reminded me of Acts 13, where these men were worshiping God. This is one of the highlight passages of the book of Acts. These five men, I won't read them in verse 1 because I can't pronounce them yet. So verse 2, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, I'm so looking forward to the prayer meeting together with your pastor. I just felt an instant bond and heart link with Mark when we met. We'd never seen each other before. That's called the work of the Holy Spirit. And together we're going to have the joy of, of helping under the control of the Holy Spirit in this great meeting tonight. The whole heart of our movement has been prayer meetings. Through the influence of my spiritual father, Billy Graham, we launched half nights of prayer in New Jersey when I was just 17. Those half nights of prayer have spread out throughout almost the entire world. And that's why we've seen one billion people given the gospel through OM teams. That's why we have had 140,000 people trained in OM. That's why we've seen tens of thousands come to Jesus and hundreds of thousands discipled and trained. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty unto God to the pulling down of strongholds. And here we see these five men praying and then fasting and praying some more. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent. That's one of the key words in this passage. Sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. I'm just reminded when I read that, that the Holy Spirit is the chief executive officer of all missionary work. I know sometimes there's controversy about the Holy Spirit. And um, I remember the words of Billy Graham speaking about the Spirit-filled life. And I've had the privilege of fellowship with tens of thousands of spirit-filled Christians of all different denominations. Billy Graham, in speaking about the spirit-filled life, he said, I don't care how you get it, just get it. And I thank Jesus that he filled me. He indwelt me with his Holy Spirit, I believe, at the moment of my conversion. And he's filled me many, many times. 
D.L. Moody used to emphasize the Holy Spirit. I had the joy of leaving university and going to Moody Bible Institute so I could read about D.L. Moody. Amazing, man. We shouldn't forget this guy. Not well educated, yet brought hundreds of thousands to Jesus and founded that great institute that is still so faithful to God's word. I'm actually on the Moody Alumni Board. But Moody would talk about the Holy Spirit. And he would say, you need to be filled again and again. One day, a lady in the meeting, a little unusual lady, raised her hand. She said, Moody, why do you keep going on about being filled again and again? He looked her in the eye. It could be a little fierce-looking deal, Moody. He said, Madam, because I leak. <laughs> wow. That really helped me because in my spiritual life, I seem to spring leaks very, very quickly. Praise God for the free refills. I love Great Britain, my adopted country. But I tell you, in America, we've got a number of advantages. One of them, when we go to a restaurant, we get a cup of coffee. We get some soda to drink. You can get a re free refill. You're taking that for granted over here. You need to repent. Because when you come... When you come to England, and if you think you're going to get a free refill on your coffee, you're going to get a little depression instead. And at $5 a cup, you know, it can really hinder your missionary giving. <laughs> so these men waited upon God. They prayed. The Holy Spirit worked in their midst. They then went down to the seaport of Seleucia. And they sailed. You see, they were in the ships long before Operation Mobilization got into ships. They sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salimus, they went to the Jewish synagogue and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their helper, as their assistant. And God just put it on my heart this morning to just emphasize this gift of helps. This conference, what a great missions conference. You know how many hundreds and hundreds of conferences I've been into all over the world. And this is one of the great missions conferences on planet Earth. I don't know about other planets. I'm interested in that and I'm reading, but I've not found anything too tangible yet. But as far as this planet, and I believe as we're in this time of election and um, we're struggling with different things, and the word hope, it comes on our screen and then it falls off. I believe the hope of this nation lies in churches like this. Where the word of God is taught and believed. Where prayer is practiced. Where people are attempting to love one another. Where the Lord Jesus is proclaimed and where there's a commitment to proclaim him throughout the globe. And so this is not only the hope of America. This is the hope of the world. The only real lasting hope. Salvation through the Lord Jesus, who said, yes, it's not against the law to clap. <laughs> who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I wanted to share just briefly about my own struggle with negativeness. I was touching on that. and I wanted to share a crisis experience I remember in my life when I thought I was going to get into this midlife crisis. I actually used to preach against golf. I thought it was a waste of time. I was with this godly millionaire that wanted to teach me golf, a total idiot, not to take him up on it. 
when I first went to England, he had taught Billy Graham golf. And I remember walking away, how could that be? My spiritual father wasting time chasing this little ball around the garden. But as I headed toward the midlife crisis, and I was feeling fine until I read the book, Midlife Crisis. Scary book. I thought, you know, I got to prepare for this. And other things were happening. So I took up golf. I took up golf. Left-handed. I, I went out more toward the end of the day. And, you know, made my own roots. And jogged and listened to tapes between the various holes, which doesn't really impress other golfers. So I've never become a, a great golfer. By the way, I never had this midlife crisis. Never had it. I think because my whole life has just been a crisis. You know, one after the other. And I just thank God. That his grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in weakness in so many ways. I'm such a weak person, such a needy person. I'm still working on how to love my wife. I'm not sure sometimes she actually wants me to come home. Because when I come home, it's, uh, it's like a tornado blowing through the house. I keep praying that God will make me more quiet and more gentle. And uh, just, you know, I just sometimes just, Cry out to God, help me to be more quiet. Whoops. I'm not sure this is going to work. We've never been able to enjoy the same music. I like rock and roll. Of course, Holy, Holy Ghost rock and roll. None, none of the worldly stuff. And uh, my wife, she's more into uh, Beethoven and this group, the Hawaiians. Have you ever heard of the Hawaiians? You've got to be over a hundred to have heard of the Hawaiians. And I just thank God. I thank God. I don't know if any of you can relate to me. That this grace for weak, needy strugglers, ragamuffins. Brandon Menning's book, Ragamuffin Gospel. I don't agree with everything in that book, but, but I, I just love the cover. And I hope you'll go to my book table, even if you don't take a book. Just look at the covers. I know a lot of men, even my kind of men, probably, and I don't read so many full books, not enough time for that. But I want to encourage you that don't read. Get into the covers. Just look at covers. Go to your Christian bookshop. They need your help. And just look at the covers. Like that book, You Can't Walk on Water If You Don't Get Out of the Boat. Isn't that great? Never read it. The cover was like an arrow to my heart. And then Erwin Lutzer, the pastor of Moody Church, amazing guy, he wrote this book, Failure, The Backdoor to Success, since I've had so much failure in my life. It's just right up my street. I've been pushing it, sold a lot of copies. I confess, I've never read it. The cover was such a blessing, such a blessing to me. Anyway, I was in Pakistan. I was going to preach in the cathedral. And an OM leader came up, knowing that I often offend people when I when I preach. By the way, if I have offended you, not only do I apologize, send me an email, you offended me. For every area of offense, I send you a free book. I will personally apologize. I'll even come to your house. I'll hug you. I'll kiss you. I'll repent. So I love it if I have offended anybody here during these few days. So let's get together. Some of our long-term OM missionaries were people who initially could not stand George Verwer. And I relate to that. I remember one, he came into my office, 
He said, you talk all about love. I don't find you very loving. It's very encouraging, right? You had that experience? And I just looked at him and I said, look, you're absolutely right. That's the greatest need in my life. And I, I broke down and started to cry. And then he shared his struggle. That actually was several weeks later after we got linked in heart. He came to talk to me about India. And he shared that he was sexually addicted. That through Bible college he was living a double life. And he said, is there any hope for me? And I shared my sexual struggles. Became one of my closest friends. One of the most outstanding missionaries now 60 years of age in our movement. You know, isn't it amazing? But there I was in Pakistan. The leader comes. Could you, you know, try to do your best? The bishop is going to be in the meeting. The work's just starting here in Pakistan. Another guy came. I'll never forget that. He said, could you dress properly? I wasn't known for my proper uh, dress. That was before the global jacket, which sort of covers everything. And so... <laughs> I said, okay, I'll dress proper. I'll never forget this day, about 20 years ago. I'm standing in the cathedral. I'm really trying to do my best. I got the suit and the tie on. I looked like an undertaker. And there I was. And as I was preaching, a pigeon flew over me and dropped its load on my sleeve. Huh? Negative thinkers, isn't this typical? Isn't this what it's about on this planet? But God was doing a new thing in me. I looked at the crowd and I said, Praise the Lord that the elephants don't fly around here. I've never been the same. I have never been the same. And let me tell you, let me try to encourage you that if you feel you've had a bad week, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. You feel the pigeons are dropping on you. Praise God, the elephants don't fly. We are in difficult days in our country. People are losing their fortunes. People are losing their homes. But God is on the throne. Worship Him who is on the throne. Worship Him who is on the throne. All of my Christian missionary life, I have struggled with financial difficulties. I found out it's far easier to get recruits than it is to find the money. Thousands of people in these 50-some years that have wanted to be long-term, it could never happen because their churches could not support them. Many churches couldn't even pay their own pastor, much less support a missionary. And that's why we taught them many different ways to approach missions, including being a tent maker, being paid in Saudi Arabia in a job, and quietly sharing Jesus at the same time. And hundreds of our workers are tent makers. And it's been one of the secrets of our growth. God's grace. That's what it's all about this weekend. God's grace to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. God's grace to do something about this unbelievable challenge of HIV AIDS. I've got my little AIDS cube. And if you want one of these, send me an email. I still haven't figured out how it works. <clears throat> it's one of these things that and I've always had this weakness with telephones, with computers, reading instructions. It's just not my thing, reading instructions. I don't want to tell you how much grief that has brought in my marriage and in my driving and in my computer work. And so for this AIDS cube, I am definitely reading the instructions. And typical, typical 
They are very, very confusing. But I'm going to press on. I hope you will pick up this book and somehow become more proactive about HIV-AIDS. And if you'd like more information or pray with me on the phone or through an email, I would count it a privilege. Grace. Grace to be the people God wants us to be in the midst of our doubts and our struggles and the things that go wrong. I don't know if you've had any disappointments in your life. The older we get, the more disappointments. Sometimes the children. Sometimes the grandchildren. For me, it's often just myself. Why am I not 70 years of age more like Jesus? And I think that goal could have cost me my spiritual life if I had not understood his love. And the fact that he is so merciful. I've had huge struggles with, with suffering. I've seen so much suffering that in my darker moments it was impossible to even believe that God even existed. It's hard to say that. Fortunately, it didn't last long as I somehow walked by faith. And if any of you have struggles in the area of doubt, maybe you've prayed for someone, they'd be healed and they died. Maybe other disappointments in what seems to be unanswered prayer. I prayed. I'm very involved with all my relatives. A lot of them now have died. Hardly any of them died in Christ. How do I handle that? The whole teaching about hell I find so overwhelming. And yet I still preach and teach that hell and believe does exist. I don't understand it, but I believe the word of God is true. My whole life is based on this book. Some people seem to find the biblical way just easy. They just read it. They love it. They memorize it. They just go for it. I've recruited a lot of those people, but that's not where I am. For me, it's been a tough pilgrimage just even reading through some of the books of the Old Testament. And the verses that have helped me so much, and I share them with you in these, in these closing moments, from Romans chapter 11. I was always preaching a Romans 12. Romans 12 and all those challenges, all those exhortations. And as I face more disappointments and struggles and what seemed to be unanswered prayer, finally the lights went on in Romans 11. Pick it up at verse 33. Oh, how great are God's riches. Wisdom and knowledge. Here's the key. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions. What is God doing in Iraq? God hit me with Iraq 50 years ago like a lightning bolt in the library of Moody Bible Institute. I knew my destiny was to be in Iraq and then Afghanistan and Turkey and the Muslim world. And for 50 years we've seen very little in some of those countries. And somehow I'm still committed. I may go to Baghdad this year. I support a ministry in Baghdad. And my heart aches for Iraq. And I don't understand what's going on there. And I could talk about it for a long time. And these verses save me. Maybe you don't need them. It is impossible to understand his decisions and his works. He is sovereign. There is a silver lining somewhere through Iraq. What about Darfur? That's ten times worse than Iraq. What about Afghanistan that I prayed for for 50 years and still only a few hundred believers? I don't know if there's anyone here you're just tempted just to give up. This thing of hope, it's, it's slipping out of your hand. I encourage you, don't lose your hope. 
Whatever your physical difficulties, whatever your family difficulties, whatever your financial difficulties, whatever you see that disturbs you in your own life, don't give up your hope. Turn to the Word of God. Turn to the promises of God. How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. For who, who can know the Lord's thoughts? We get so arrogant sometimes. We biblical people. We, we really feel we have the answers to everything. And we have, we have books on every single subject. Probably at least 10% of them should have never been printed. They just lead to divisions. They lead to confusion. They lead to judgmentalism. Whole books telling us that the King James Bible is the only translation If Paul used the King James, then we need to use the King James. Oh, may God deliver us from our ignorance. And may we, even if we have that conviction, humble ourselves and realize that is not a priority in a world where millions and millions and tens of millions have never had their own Bible verse in their own language. May we be a little more humble, a little less arrogant and realize The truth of this passage. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? I tried that. Giving God advice. As an old guy, let me pass on a lesson. It's not really advisable to give God advice. Praise be to him for his mercy and his forgiveness. And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. When I was 12 years old, I learned to gamble. I got in the Boy Scouts. You couldn't get in the Girl Scouts in those days. I learned to gamble. I'd feel a little guilty even as a non-Christian. And after I won a lot of money at Boy Scout camp through cheating, I'd take them down and I'd buy them an ice cream. I thought I was some kind of a, a Robin Hood. Somehow the gambling instinct has stayed with me all my life, though I've never got involved in gambling. And maybe that's just why somehow a borderline agnostic like me is still in the race. And I've been in the race every day since my conversion. Because in my moments of darkness, when I thought a personal God did not exist, and I somehow calculated the the whole big gamble of believing in God, especially when that for me meant everything, everything goes to him. And I took the calculation. It was 55% in favor. This is God's word. This personal God exists. He loves me. He answers prayer. 55%. This is in my dark moment. 45%. And so I decided to go with a sure bet. 55%. And soon, guess what? I'm worshiping 100%. Great faith is not in the absence of doubt. Great faith is often in the midst of agonizing doubt that will tear your soul out. And if at that moment you don't hang on to Jesus, you may end up a casualty. You don't want that. And as you pray for me, pray that in these senior years, with new struggles, new temptations, new doubts, I may keep on running. Because a million copies of my books have gone out there. And I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail those people, those readers, those so-called fans, and 140,000 that have been on OM who somehow look to me in some way. 
I want to somehow run right to the end. Whether it's Alzheimer's or cancer or some other horrendous thing that can happen to us as human beings, somehow I want that last breath to be praise him, praise him, praise him. I'm coming home. And I want to hear that word. I want to hear that word. Well done, my good and faithful servant. God had to set me free from pleasing people. I was such a pleasing people kid from my childhood. And it's such a snare. And I found it so hard to take criticism. And God did a work in my life that I realized the key thing is what is, what does he say? And when I realize his love, I realize his mercy, I realize his forgiveness. And then I realize what he's doing, what he's done even through my own feeble ministry. I can only fall down and worship him. God bless you. Come back with us tonight. Get involved more in what this dynamic church and other churches are doing for the kingdom. Let's let's build community. Let's build Christian reality in Indianapolis, in Indiana. In our, in our country and the whole world through prayer, through disciplined living, through great faith, through honoring Jesus in everything we say, everything we do. God bless you. Let us pray together. Living God, I thank you for the opportunity to open my heart and open your word with this great congregation of your people. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that really doesn't understand this because they've never been born from above, they never experienced this revolution of grace, this eternal salvation through faith, as I did in that Billy Graham meeting 53 years ago. I pray this would be their moment of decision, that they would find someone as soon as possible and experience salvation this very day. And then I pray for everyone else, including myself. As a result of this missions conference, there may be greater vision, greater grace, greater action, that we would follow in the steps of these dynamic missionaries from the book of Acts. And that as your Holy Spirit moves upon us, as it was in Acts 13, that you would choose out from this congregation Paul's and Barnabas's and send them out even to the ends of the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.